Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Second Take. Today, we are continuing our running segment of our top 10 in each position in the NBA. And today, we're carrying on with our list to the power forward position. Now, Roland, let's go ahead and let's get this started with your honorable mentions. Okay, so I have two honorable mentions. I was honestly surprised by the fact that one of them was an honorable mention and not higher on my list. But um, I have Jeremy Grant and I have Draymond Green as okay. my honorable mentions at the power forward. I was surprised that Draymond fell this low. But if I was starting a team for next season and I had my pick of the 10 players above him, I would probably take them over him just because of his lack of ability to score the basketball in any way, shape, or form. Outside of that, he's an elite defender. He's an elite mind of the game, a great playmaker. But the fact that he just, I mean, he, he can't really score the basketball really hinders him in this list, in my opinion. But those are my two honorable mentions. Okay, and then I am in a similar spot you are. I have Jeremy Grant as one of mine. He's a 20-point-per-game scorer at this point. He's a really good defender, but doesn't really do anything else at that high of a level besides those two things. So I kind of left him off the list despite his scoring ability. Then my other honorable mention, only because of his efficiency his rookie year, is Paulo Bancaro. Uh, so I put him just outside just because I wish he shot a little bit better. But ultimately, he showed a lot of flashes, a lot of potential. Um, if he can jump up that efficient efficiency this year, he has a chance to move up this list. Excellent. My, my only gripe on Jeremy Grant is not necessarily, I mean, I know we probably haven't been taking this into consideration in previous episodes, but it's, uh it's the paycheck man i think he's just way overpaid at this point and for what for like a third borderline fourth best player on a championship team you know does that cut it to be a top 10 at your position i wish i'd say yes because he's a great player he, like you said he scores well and he plays defense but um, I think the biggest reason why he fell out of the top 10 was due to the uh, the bag that he received. More power to him. Go get your money, but I mean, he's pretty soon going to be the, the best player on that team when Damian Lillard finally gets who he wants. Uh, I know, it's true. And for me, I didn't even consider him. Like, his contract is part of this. But, man, he did get a lot of money, and I wonder... If Portland does trade Dame, if they're going to be able to get rid of him or if they actually plan on keeping him, not really sure, but that's an interesting one. Um, Portland. And that kind of, yeah. And that leads me to num my number 10 on my list was one of your honorable mentions, was I put Draymond Green at 10. Um, he's not the same player he used to be. He's still a good passer. He's still a good defender. Not quite the D, the D boy he used to be. Um, the reason why I still felt like I needed to put him on this list was because he has intangibles that probably no one else on this list has. I mean, he can really knows how to motivate his team, get his team going. Um, 
kind of, especially with Steph, the way he plays off of Steph, uh, there's an argument that Draymond wouldn't be the same player with another team, but he's with Golden State, so ultimately uh, he did sneak into my list. I think that's probably my biggest argument with him is in any other situation, he probably would not be nearly as valuable. And I look at it as, okay, what if another power forward was in his position? Would they be just as good, if not better? And I really do think there are 10 power forwards that if you plug them into Golden State to play with Steph, they'd be a little bit more, uh, they'd bring a little bit more to the table at this point in Draymond's career. Draymond, at peak of his powers, was arguably a top 10 player in the NBA. He was winning defensive players of the year when he was actually shooting the basketball, you know. Uh, but it's just, it's like he's scared to shoot. And uh, even though his jump shot looks like a backpack is on at all times, yep. he was a decent shooter before something clicked in his head to not shoot anymore. I think he recently said on a podcast that his excuse was, why should I shoot if I have clay and stuff? I'm like, well, you're wide open. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. That's just my biggest gripe with him because everything else, is, is, he's a fantastic basketball player. Yeah, and I think he just chooses not to shoot. Like, honestly, I'd, I don't even think it has anything to do with him because he could probably score 10 points a game still if he shot more shots, but I just think... He's decided that it's not his role, and he's taken more of like a Dennis Rodman approach. He's only shooting if you're turning your back to him and just completely disrespecting him. Otherwise, uh, he'll even pass up some of the close shots sometimes. But yeah, he just had too many intangibles for me to take him out of the top 10, but he is definitely moving down that list right now. It's fair, and I mean, the, he also is constantly winning, so that's mm-hmm. tough to to argue there either. Um, we also need to preface that we're not having Anthony Davis or Christoph Porzingis in our lists. Um, we feel like they're more centers. Um, but yeah, for my number 10, uh, I have Scotty Barnes at number 10. Mm. He took a little, I mean, he definitely didn't live up to expectations last season that were put upon him after winning rookie of the year. I think he took a step. I wouldn't be back. I think it was a lateral step. He didn't really make take a step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at Scotty Barnes, and I'm like, okay, outside of the IQ because of being so young, he's a Draymond Green 2.0. You know, he's a fantastic defender. He can score aggressively. Um, he can dribble the ball. He can play make for you. The only thing that's missing is probably that IQ at this point in his career. Um, But he can guard one through five. And he is also kind of more of an efficient uh, scorer. I mean, Jeremy Grant, you can argue, but uh, he just brings a little bit more to the table while being so young. And it was hard for me to, to put him underneath Jeremy Grant or Raymond Green. So he's yeah. my number 10. For me, he would fall in that honorable mention list. I just, 
for whatever reason, I felt like maybe it's because he was on the Toronto Raptors and how their team just wasn't that very good kind of soured him for me and he wasn't quite as good as his rookie year. It just felt like he needed to be better, but he's a good defender and he can handle for his size, but offensively sometimes he's just not very aggressive. He's not really a shooter. Um, I would just like to see more, more growth from him, but also I want him to see him be more impactful for Toronto and not that he like was completely unimpactful, but he just, I don't know, Toronto just really underachieved, it felt like. Like, something just wasn't right with that team. So, I had a hard time putting him in my top 10. That's true. All fair points, because, I mean, they did underachieve. They didn't even make the playoffs, for crying out loud. And you had yeah. Siakam, Barnes, Ananobi, Van Vliet, you know. You had a lot of assets that people were and still are interested in. Um, but I just think it's more of a projection. I think he's going to take mm-hmm. a step forward this year. I don't think it's going to be a giant leap like everyone was expecting after his rookie season to take. But I do think with a bigger workload, with more put on him, I think that they're, or I believe that he's going to take a step forward, probably flirt with the 20 points per game, kind of get you seven rebounds, six assists and be the best defender on that team. Yeah. So. And with him, I think part of the reason why he was so successful coming into the NBA is he had an NBA-ready body, right? He's already big. He's already strong. So he was able to compete these guys, um, compete with these guys on a physical level. And I think that was a big reason for his early success. And now he's learning and figuring out that he needs to have more than just that to be successful. Um, yeah. And then... Go moving on to my number nine on my list. Uh, Aaron Gordon, Denver Nuggets. Oh, I totally yeah. forgot about him. Yeah, just won a championship. Um, he's not the best three point shooter, but he's better than some of these other guys. Like we talked about, uh, Draymond Green, uh, Scotty Barnes. Uh, so he's serviceable, he can make some open ones. But I was really impressed with him in the playoffs, guarding guys like. LeBron James, every possession of the game. He's matching up now against uh, those type of players consistently, right? Kevin Durant, um, he's a big, strong, physical guy. He plays his role really well. He doesn't try to do anything outside of his role. And I think that's what really puts him at number nine uh, for me. Yeah, I honestly... um kind of forgot about him he would he would be similar to where you put scotty barnes i probably would put him in the honorable mention uh like you said very impressed by his defense when he was in orlando um i mean honestly who watches orlando but <laughs> that's probably why i was so surprised by what he did in the playoffs and, I mean, he's proven that he can be the third-best player on a championship team. Um, I just think the ceiling of all the other dudes that I'm about to mention are a bit higher, maybe outside of my next pick. Mm-hmm. But uh, just due to yep. the fact that, like, he doesn't really create for himself. And if he didn't have Nikola Jokic, like, I'm like, okay, if you put a Scotty Barnes next to Nikola Jokic or, you know, my number nine, Julius Randle. 
I don't know if you have. Oh wow, number nine, number nine. Okay. Well, I mean, if if Julius Randle had Nikola Jokic, he'd probably be higher on this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my. I mean, I guess you can't really take away from a player from for playing with such a great player. Yeah. That's why I have. I didn't have uh, Aaron Gordon in my top ten. He's mm-hmm. more of a a uh, honorable mention for me because yeah. we've seen him as a supposed to be top number one option. Yeah, and that gets you in the lottery every year. Uh, I've yet to see what that what Scotty Barnes is at that. I do think Julius Randle. You know, is he the number one in New York? I think. People would argue Jalen Brunson, but he was the one that did make all NBA. You know, he has a couple all stars under his belt, but Julius Randle at nine. I just think the other people above him uh, have more to offer. Randle's a great scorer in the regular season. And then, like, very spotty with his shooting. He had a really up year last year. The year before was down. I just think, show me two years in a row where he did what he did last year and he'd be higher. Yeah. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think this year is going to be a down year for him. I almost feel like, about uh, that time. I feel like his playoff performances, I mean, I don't know, I may be wrong, but they may have soured him for you a little bit. Uh he is, at least for the New York Knicks, he's their number one go-to scoring guy for scoring. Um, I think the reason he had such a down year last, not this last season, but the year before, because he was an All-NBA player, and then he had a down year, not even an All-Star, mm-hmm. and then he was back to an All-NBA player. I think that was mostly due to the addition of Jalen Brunson. I feel like his down year, they just didn't have any point guards on their team, and so he was trying to do everything he was trying to ball handle. He was trying to score. He was trying to shoot. He was trying to finish the games. And I just think that's too much for him to handle. I don't think he's LeBron James, which is basically what they needed him to be. Needed him to be. It's true. Yeah. And so I think adding Brunson was a big reason for his bounce back. Um, I do think there is reason to debate if he's a number one on a title contending team or not, because he is kind of New York's. He's, I don't know if he's their best player, but he's, I don't know though. He does so much for the team. I would have a hard time putting him this low. He he is higher than that on my list just because he's still a good passer. He's a great rebounder. He can't shoot even though he is inconsistent at times. And I think that has a lot to do with the volume of shots that he takes. But yeah, I'm surprised you put him at nine. I just, I mean, I was going through and I'm like, who do I put above? Uh, there's one person, there's one player, and he's my next player. Yeah. That I have above him that you could probably debate. I just like the upside of this player mm-hmm. uh, better. And I think going into next year, he'll be a better player. Uh, that's kind of just what I'm going off of. And everybody else on this list, I'm like, okay, if, if you want Julius Randle or do you want. X player, you want Y yeah. player, and I just found myself. This is where he landed. Okay, you know, I know he's an all NBA, all NBA player. Apparently, <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think 
like talent for talent, tick for tat, uh, that he's better than these players. He might have played more games last year, and that's why he got the nod for all NBA. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the other eight players above him, I would, if I was drafting a team going into next season, like drafting a power forward for next season, I would pick this player. So that's, so who's just, your num- that's just where he fell. Who'd you put at number eight? I put Paulo. Okay, Paulo Vancaro. Um, I just think he showed flashes of being a number one guy for like a really legit team. Um, I like what they have building around him. And he's also shown that he can get to the free throw line like no other. He can just get to the foul line. And with being so young, if he can continue to adapt that skill, he's just going to average 20, 25 a game easy. He's going to shoot 10 free throws. Yeah. I think uh, Paulo Bancaro has a higher upside than a guy like Julius Randle for sure. Um, I just think Julius Randle's better right now today because, at least in my eyes, Julius Randle, well, the Knicks were better than Orlando last year, right? Sure. Julius Randle, I think, is playing at a higher level. I think he has a higher skill level right now. But Paul Bancaro, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes a superstar and a top 10 player one day. So if you're going based on potential, like if I'm picking for a long-term guy to have, I would rather have Paulo than Julius Randle. I just don't think Paulo's there quite yet. I want to see his, uh, his efficiency um, go up, have a more efficient season. Um, kind of because Julius Randle in the two of the last three years he's been pretty efficient besides that one year and Paulo Bancaro last year was more like that one year for him but I mean that kind of goes into my number eight guy uh I picked Evan Mobley at number eight okay I uh I think his offense has a long way to go still he's a good rebounder he's a better passer than he gets credit for and he's already an elite defender. Uh, he needs to, with that Cleveland team though, he needs to put to be able to put together his shot better, to be able to fit and to maximize that team's potential. Because um, right now he's just kind of a at the rim guy. He can dribble a little bit, shoot a little bit from the mid range, but his offense needs to come needs to come for that team and for me to be able to move him up. Yeah, you know, I almost had Paulo over Mobley. Mm. Um, I just looked at the stats real quick. If you looked at Paulo Bancaro's rookie season, his stats kind of lined up with Randall's 2021-2022 season. Yeah. Um, I know that was an off year for Randall, but I just I guess that just kind of leads into my point of I think Paulo's going to take a step this year. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's yet to be seen, but I feel like if you put this guy on a playoff team, he's not going to shrink. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. It's just that, that he just has that mindset, whereas Mobley, I did break him ahead. I have him at seven, but I almost had Paulo above him simply because Mobley doesn't have any offense. Like, he can't generate for himself. Yeah. If it weren't for his defense, he wouldn't be on this list. Agreed. Even the honorable mentions. Basically, everyone we said besides Draymond probably has a better offense than him right now. 
Yeah. And this guy, everyone's saying is the next Tim Duncan coming out of the draft. Bill Simmons podcast. Love this yeah. guy to death. He thinks he's a top 10 trade asset in the NBA. And I just don't see, like, maybe it's the issue that he, maybe he's playing the wrong position. Maybe he I needs to know, be a center. Yeah, I don't know if playing alongside Jared Allen helps. I don't think it does. It helps his offense because he's like a better version of Jared Allen. That's like, right, right now, I feel like he's a better version yeah. of Jared Allen. If you put him out there, he's great at defense. He's a rim runner. He can give you a little bit from mid-range. Um, but he just really seems timid out there when he's on offense. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. He's not super aggressive he just kind of takes the shots that he gets through the offense which are usually open uh he probably does need to play center if he's not going to develop a jump shot because if he develops a jump shot he's probably a similar player to what chris bosch was but he doesn't have that and he has a long way to go to get there so if cleveland struggles again this year i would look to move jared allen potentially I do think Mobley's better than him right now. Um, kind of like you said, an upgraded version of him. So that, that that would make sense to me. I can't disagree with anything you just brought up. Yeah, but I mean, the positives are defensively, he might be the best player in the league um, and the best defender in the league at that I mean, Giannis, if you could say. He's probably a top five defender in the NBA yeah, right now. He's, yeah, he's... Definitely an all-NBA defensive player, and uh, if he were to develop a jump shot, he'd probably in the top three on this list. So, yeah, <laughs> he really is just one offensive move away, one Tim Duncan bank shot away from being a top three power forward in the NBA. So, yeah, and then yeah. that kind of leads to my number seven. I feel like he's a similar type of player to Evan Mobley, but he has a jump shot, and he's he's not quite the defender and he's not even that good of a pat no not defender he's not quite the rebounder and he's not a passer either but i feel like their molds are similar and he's evan mobley with a jump shot um and that's jaron jackson jr for my number seven he i feel like he can do more on offense he can create a little more for himself like i mentioned he can shoot um he's had times where he's played without jaw where he's been a little more of a go-to guy. Even though I think he only scored 18 points per game last year, he did start the year injured, uh, so he kind of got off to a slower start there. But he won Depoy last year. He's a really good defensive player. He averaged three block shots per game, um, and I think this is a good spot for him to be. Yeah, I, I have him at six. So I, de- I have him right above Mobley, like you do, because of the fact that he can do something on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mobley has higher upside on defense. I think Jaron Jackson's kind of the player, at least in the system he's in, that's kind of what we can expect from him. You know, can spread the floor, doesn't have much of a post game, but nobody does in the NBA anymore. So, yeah, just got to be able to score on the small guys. Uh, his biggest knock is staying on the floor. He, fouls way too much he's always in foul trouble if you can figure out a way to play aggressive defense without getting five to six foul, fouls a game be a be on the floor a little bit more then 
I think he'd also be higher on this list. Yeah, that's and I can knock. I can say the same thing too about his health because he has had a lot of injury riddled seasons. He usually plays every year. He doesn't have season ending injuries as often as some other guys, but he does also get hurt a lot. So his availability is a big thing. Uh, and for whatever reason, maybe it is because he he gets in foul trouble a lot. He doesn't rebound as much as I would like to see from a guy yeah, like that. He gets like weird. six rebounds a game. And I feel like he should be better at that, especially on the Grizzlies when they really only have Steven Adams as the other big time rebounder. So I would like more of that from him too. But ultimately, is his offensive game that brought him up to number seven. Yeah, I'm interested to see where we differ because I have him at six. Mm-hmm. Well, my number six uh, is Cat Carl Anthony Towns. Wow, I'm a I'm a little sour on Cat just because I don't believe in him as a number one guy on your team. Um, he's been that before, but every time he's been that, they haven't been very good. And when he has made the playoffs, he's had Jimmy Butler or Anthony Edwards. And then even in the playoffs as the number two guy, he struggles at times. He's had some good games, but overall, he he really struggles. He's not a good defender. He might be the best, the best big man shooter ever, though, on the flip side. Like, this guy's offensive talent is just special uh, flat out. But I just don't think he has that kind of like we talked about Evan Mobley's aggressiveness aggressiveness i don't think he has that step up be that guy for you inside of him so that kind of made him drop down a number six for me despite the talent i almost didn't have him on the list because I, I mean a center in my mind but yeah uh, the minnesota you know but since i do have him on the list i feel like that's really low mm-hmm. uh, this guy's offensive bag outside of Giannis might be the the deepest on this list. I mean, Giannis can't shoot nearly as well as Cat, but Giannis also dunks on everybody. So Yeah. Cat Cat is super skilled. Don't get me wrong. I mean, on my list, he's probably the second best skilled offensive scorer, but for me it's just everything else that comes with him. He has had quite a bit of years where like injury problems. Um so is most of the people like the one right below him that I have on my list also is riddled with injuries all the time. I think we already know who that is. <laughs> um, but the reason why I have him a bit higher is last, not last season, but the year before when they were in the playoffs. Yes, he had a couple games where he shrunk. But I really think that the Timberwolves had something going with Edwards and Towns. Mm -hmm. And then they went and screwed it up righteously by getting Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that because I'm a Jazz fan. Thank you, Minnesota. Uh, Shout out to you guys for the draft picks. For the draft picks. better version of Gobert. Thank you for Walker Kessler. That's got to (laughs) hurt. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in Anthony Edwards. I really like him. I'm just not as big as Cat. Like, for me, I guess the way I'm looking at it is I think there's a reason why, and I kind of understand a little bit why Jimmy Butler didn't like Cat and why he didn't want to be in Minnesota. Um, I just, 
he's so skilled, but he's just underwhelming for me when it comes down to it. You know, I can't argue with that. I have him higher. Yeah. Because out there's only one person below him that I believe going in next year. So I think Paul has the the ability to leap everyone and be a number one option. Uh, there's only one player that I have below him that I think is a number one player. Um, and the only reason he's below him is because of injury problems. If he wasn't, mm-hmm. if he was available, he'd be the second best power forward in the NFL. In the well, NBA. yeah, I mean, let's talk about it because that goes into my number five. I put Zion Williamson at five. Wow. Strictly so because I... he's only played, what, 111 or 114 games in the NBA. So he's played one season in 20 games. That for me, we see the talent when he's out there and when he plays. Super talented guy, but we don't even know if he can be like lead a team, be a number one guy, like be good in the playoffs. We have no idea. All we see is his talent. So his talent is so undeniable, it puts him at number five for me. But he he never plays. Like we talk about guys like Kyrie and Kawhi not playing. He might play even less than those guys. So, like, the talent, like I said, it's there. And he would easily probably be number two on my list if he played 82 games a season, maybe even compete for number one. But right now, I can't put him higher than five because I don't, I don't know if he, can, if he can do it. The valid point, he's the only one that I think could compete with Giannis if he had a full season. Um, we saw last year when he was healthy, Pelicans were a number one seed in the West. They were yep. firing on all cylinders. He was averaging 27 points a game on 70% field goal percentage. You know, he's the only player on this list that could compete with Giannis for the number one spot if he played. Mm-hmm. Um, I have him at four. I have Siakam at five. Okay, okay. Um, Simply because we know what you get with Siakam. He's a number two um, on a championship team. I mean, technically, I don't know if he was the number two or number three when they won in 2019. But we've seen him in a winning situation contribute to a championship caliber team. We've also seen him be an all-NBA caliber player on a lesser competitive team. I think he's... A good number two. Um, a really good number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. If above, he's your number three guy, you're going to be good. I have him above players like Triple J and Evan Mobley right now because his offense is a lot more well-rounded. He can dribble. Yep. He can dribble. There you go. That's why oh. I have him above him. <laughs> well, also... Because this makes it easy for mine, too. He's my number four, is Pascal Siakam. And I was looking at his stats the other day. He averaged 5.8 assists last season. Like, the dude can pass. He's a better rebounder than Jaron Jackson Jr. I think it was 7.8, so about eight rebounds a game. Yeah, Yeah. 24 points per game. He can shoot threes. He can create offense for himself. And as we mentioned, the other people. Uh, But like you said, I don't think he's the number one guy. he has been an all-NBA guy, uh, but as a number two, I think you're in a good spot, and I can't—I I agree with everything you're saying about him. Yeah, the only thing 
um, is when he is a number one, the team doesn't win as much as you'd like. Because mm-hmm. Toronto, it's not like they didn't have talent. What yeah, they did. This last a lot year, of guys. Put a, a sour taste in a lot of quality players. Yep. You know, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, probably Fred Van Vliet might have been the cancer. I mean, he's shooting 40%. Yeah, not and, not so good for him. Uh, I mean, they had Gary Trent Jr., they had Jakob Pertl, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes. Like that that team had a lot of talent. They probably underachieved more than anyone else in the whole NBA. Well, and you're telling me you can't out outclass the Hawks with two or the Bulls or the Bulls? Yeah, who are trying to blow it up as we speak, like. Toronto was one of the most disappointing teams uh, in the NBA last year simply because they finished, what, 11th? I think I think they still, yeah, 10th. made the they play in, 10th. so 10, yeah. But, like, I would pick Atlanta. I would pick Toronto over Atlanta. At least on Definitely paper. Chicago. Yeah. You know, and yet... They couldn't win a game in the plan. That's basically what it came down to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a sour taste. But his ability—he's probably the best playmaker that we've mentioned so far. Um, on this list, I think Paulo has the upside to be a better playmaker. That's simply uh, projection, though. It's not—you know—it's. Speculation at this point. Currently, Siakam is probably the best playmaker. I don't know Zion. He has ability Zion to is, do that. Is a is a better playmaker when he plays. He just doesn't play. I have him at four simply because the talent, the talent discrepancy between Pascal Siakam and Zion Williamson is huge. Mm-hmm. I think, but they're they brought. They've, they're on the same level right now because Zion doesn't play. So. Yeah, I mean, part of being good is being available for your team, and you can't have the same impact if you don't play. So that's kind of why injuries tend to drop guys on these lists for us. And it's not even like, because you can have a injured season, I believe, and still be high up on a list like this. I just think it's the consistent injury seasons that are dropping some of these guys. Yeah. Well, okay. number three. So we've got the four, five. Who's your third? My number three is a big difference from where you put him. That's for sure. I put Julius Randle at number wow. three. Wow. Holy crap. <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. Um. So Julius Randle for me is at number three because... What I see him and Pascal Siakam being on a very similar level. And one of the biggest reasons I put him over Pascal was because when he has been the number one guy on his team, they've been making the playoffs. Like the Raptors, like I mentioned with Scotty Barnes earlier, they put it, and how you said, they put a sour taste in my mouth and they've really struggled as with Pascal as their number one guy. So I that's what gave Randall the edge for me over him because I think their skill sets are similar. Randall can still handle. He's still a really good scorer. He's a better rebounder, can play make. 
So it was just that winning aspect that uh, as the number one guy that put it higher, if you're talking about two or three guy, I think Pascal fits a little better, especially depending on who your number one guy is. But Randall can still make the playoffs as the number one. I definitely had Randall really low. I'll admit. <laughs> I just like the upside of everybody else. And if I was picking Pascal Siakam or Julius Randall, mm-hmm. play on any team, I just think Siakam fits better. He also has a little bit better bag to him. Mm-hmm. Julius Randall can only go left. <laughs> So cut off his left. Or at least no one can stop him from going left. I guess until the playoffs roll around. Also true. So that's my thing. Randall is a great regular season player. I have yet to see him play well in the playoffs. I've seen Siakam win a championship as the second best player. Yeah. I mean, I will say that that Toronto team was loaded. I mean, young Fred Van Vliet, Kawhi Leonard, uh, OG Ananobi, like... Yeah, yeah, that 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 team was really good. Serge Ibaka, Marcus Hall, but that's that's the thing. I think Pascal fits better in a situation like that than Randall does. Randall's got to be probably your second best go-to guy for you to be successful, um, but not your main go-to scorer in the playoffs. But like you mentioned, I'd like to see him be better in the playoffs. Uh, but nonetheless, his talent level is still there. I just. I don't see either one being a number one. It's yeah. so hard to be a number one in the NBA. Let's be honest. Um, so if they're neither of them are going to be a number one, I think I'd rather take Siakam as a number two. Mm-hmm. Simply because I think he's a bit more consistent. And I don't know. I mean, the shooting-wise... It's hard because I think Julius Randle gets more volume than Siakam does. Uh, But Siakam might be a little better just because he's not shooting step-back threes like Julius Randle, like eight times a game, nine times a game. But we've seen that with guys. I mean, but we see that with guys like Jason Tatum would shoot better from three if he wasn't shooting sidestep threes. Same thing like Julius Randle and Luca too. Luca's another guy. Shooting a sidestep three. That's my thing. Is why is he doing it? I mean, because he, he still shoots right. like thirty-five percent, so he's not that bad at it. But I know. I just don't think like his offensive play style. It just leads for inconsistency. You don't. Yeah, you don't think it leads to winning. Is well no. in the playoffs at least. Yeah, well, even in the regular season, I mean, they were a fifth seed for crying out loud in the East. Yeah. Now those those upper echelon teams are good, but you know the East isn't great mm-hmm. from the fourth, fifth seed down. Yeah. Um, your your biggest uh, advantage of Randall over Siakam is the win loss record last year. And the more consistent playoff appearances. Well, I wouldn't so even I say just last year. I would say just since Randall's been with the Knicks and he's been the number one guy, the Knicks have just had more success than the Raptors have with Siakam as the number one guy. Um, and so that's why I would just put him a little bit higher. 
because I do think they're the same caliber of player. So in the last three seasons, essentially. My number three is going to surprise you because it's it's a break from the norm. Normally, I uh, take winning as a bigger factor. Yeah. I have Carl Anthony Towns here at three. Okay. Just because just his ability, it's just insane. Like, the ability to shoot 40% from three. He can dribble decently. He also rebounds well. Mm-hmm. His biggest knock is his defensive effort. Um, I don't think the Rudy Gobert trade, you know, surprise worked for this guy. <laughs> but I ha- I think had they stayed the course, got rid of D'Lo because D'Lo, you know, he's not very good. But yeah. if you would have traded D'Lo instead of uh, trying to acquire Rudy Gobert, get a better veteran point guard and keep Carl Anthony Towns at center like he should be, uh, we'd be talking about a totally different player. So I think he's victim to a circumstance of Rudy Gobertness. Rudy you know, Gobertness. He, just because he can shoot threes really well doesn't mean he should be shooting at every like he should be standing out in the perimeter all the time. He's also a great post player. He can do a, a fadeaway from fifteen feet. He just is the most well rounded offensive player on this list. And I truly think because Rudy Gobert is there, that's why his the perception of him is way lower than I think it should be. Yeah, I think uh, with Cat, his ability to score just buckets off of shots, off of ISO. I mean, it's top three on this list for sure, top three worthy. Uh, it was just, for me, the reason I dropped him down and put guys like Siakam and Randall over him is because I think those guys all-around game just adds up to being a little bit more than him. He is a good rebounder, but... These other guys I put ahead of him are better passers. They're better defenders. Their team just tends to win more that when they're true. the number one guy. But uh, in terms of scoring talent, I think he is a top three scoring talent at this position easily. Like I said earlier, he might be the best, best big man shooter ever the NBA has ever seen. But that also, I think, comes as a de- detriment to him once the playoffs start. Because he does kind of just hover around that area too much when teams are switching. And if he gets that switch, he needs to be able to go inside. That's true. I think his biggest knock is his mentality. Um, If he had a mentality like Anthony Edwards, his teammate, then he might be be a top five player in the NBA. That team would be uh, good. Yeah, I just couldn't put him lower because he's just way more capable than anybody else on this list outside of maybe Zion that I have below him. It's crazy because it used to be a debate between when they were younger, people would talk about would you rather have Giannis or Cat? And then you look at that now, years later, and it's not a hard question anymore. So Uh, he has that talent. 
Oh, so my three was Randall. Oh, Randall. So then, yeah, so we're going to number two. My number two, you had on a previous list, a small forward. Um, and I didn't have him on that list. I had him as a four. Uh, it was Kevin Durant. And I think if you look at the list, it's a pretty easy top two guy. Yeah, that's he's, not hard to debate. Yeah, he's a lot better than Randall, Siakam, Zion, Cat, Jay. Like, all these guys, he's done so much more in his career, even though he does get hurt a lot. He's still a bucket. He showed that in the playoffs. He's still a high-level player, still top 10 player in the NBA. Um, yeah, I thought I thought this was an easy number two. Just for kicks and giggles. Mm-hmm. If Zion Williamson played 65 games and Kevin Durant played 65 games, both huge hypothetical scenarios because neither of them are going to do that. <laughs> Who would you rather have going into next year? Ooh, going into next season. What I saw from it's not a question. But yeah, yeah, yeah. For next season. So what I saw from Zion last year, that team was being the number one seed, and they were being really good. I really feel like he had a chance to win MVP the way their season was going, and I saw him at times just be completely unstoppable. So I I want to say I would rather have Zion just because Kevin Durant, for whatever reason, sometimes is in the playoffs. His team just doesn't quite do what they should do. But they still win in the playoffs, maybe just not to the level we expect him to be. So I think I might I might roll the dice and go Zion. Yeah, I think that's a very just intriguing scenario. It uh, is very, very unlikely, if not impossible, because at this point, Kevin Durant averages a good 45 games a season, 50 games a season. Zion averages a good 25. So um, I really don't know, because I'd go with Zion just simply due to age. Mm-hmm. But if we're if we're eliminating all injury factors. Injuries don't exist for a minute. Injuries don't exist for a second. I really don't know who I'd go with because Durant's a 28-7-7 guy. He's also smarter, Mm -hmm. and he can playmake a bit better than Zion. Shoot. Shooting's definitely not even close. Nope, not close. For Phoenix, though, they don't need shooting. They went all in on shooting. I have no idea. I think, I well, no K- KD, when he gets hot, especially playing in ISO, super dominant guy. But I think the way Zion plays consistently and how much bigger and stronger he is than everyone, it's almost more like a Giannis effect where he's just going dominating all these guys all the time, if not just because of his physicality. And I think overall... In a playoff series, that wears down the other team a lot more, especially if they can't stop them. And if you have other guys on the team who you have to account for, so you can't double, triple team this guy every time he touches the ball. If it was one wish I had for this season, it's to have a a healthy Zion Williamson in the playoffs. I just want to see it. I know. We haven't seen that yet. But my number two was on... Very. This is a very bullish... I will admit. Okay. okay. I'm a jazz fan. Sue me. Yeah. 
Um, I have him as a power forward. Larry Markkinen, I have him as the second best power forward in the NBA. If you're excluding Anthony Davis and, you know, I had Kevin Durant as a small forward. Yep. So with those stipulations, Larry Markkinen is my number two because he's like a seven foot Clay Thompson. Uh, you can shoot exactly. the crap out of the ball. I love that description. I think it's really good. So, I mean, it, do I have to say much else? I mean, you can shoot the ball crazy efficiency. He tries hard, and he's got a good head on him. Like, Carl Anthony Towns could be a seven-foot Clay Thompson. <laughs> yeah, He just doesn't try hard enough yeah. to get that spot. And the reason why I think Markkinen leaped over him and all these other players last year was he showed that he can be a number one player on a team that's not supposed to be good and put them in a position where their owner has to literally blow it up again in order to get what he wants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I will say to start off, I had him as a small forward on my list, but if I had him as a power forward, he would have been in that, that three to four discussion for me behind Katie and Giannis. I do agree with that. He, because although he was the number one guy and they didn't make the playoffs, people thought they were in the running for the number one pick, which they weren't even close to that. And it took them the second half of the season getting rid of Mike Conley, who honestly I think kept the team together. Him and Marketing were two of the biggest yeah. reasons why they were where they were. And then they got rid of a couple role guys, shut down Sexton's, shut down Clarkson well, they in had order for them to down. miss... Yeah, in order for them to miss the playoffs, that's what it took. So, so he he definitely showed a lot. My only thing with him, I just want to see him do it again. If he can do it again, if the team can do better when they're actually trying to win, which I think they are this year, I think this would be an easy easy place to put him in that, in that range right there. Because uh, I think watching him play, he's definitely already as good as Siakam and Randall, but, but I think he has the potential to with his impact to be a little higher than those guys. Like you said, the seven foot clay Thompson doesn't even need the ball to be good. Nope. That's, that's what I like the most about him is he can play completely off ball and still dominate a game. He can give you 40 points on 16 shots just because of the way he can score. And, uh, I think he's going to be at the end of this year outside of Anthony Davis, be the second best power forward just because he's going to be reliable. There's nothing nothing has shown me that injuries, knock on wood, have been an issue with him. And uh, if, he, if he has this year like last year, I think the Jazz are a top six seed in the West. So, yeah. Okay, well... I think we both probably have the same number one. I mean, I got Giannis right there. Giannis Antetokounmpo, probably the most dominant player in the NBA right now. I mean, you could argue him or Joel, but I think he takes the cake just because yeah. he wins in the playoffs a lot more. So, Giannis is weird for me because if it weren't for his 2021 championship... I think he'd be viewed a lot more like a Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. uh, his teams have 
underperformed more than they have achieved. Which is weird to say about Giannis Antetokounmpo, top three player in the, in the world. But his teams have, if you look over the course of like his prime so far, yeah, they've underachieved consistently. So I think his biggest, it's not a question at this position that he's not, like he's the best player. He's a top three player in the world. You know, simply because he, he could have him just on the defensive side of the ball. He's probably the best defender on this list. And then you add 32 points a game and 12 rebounds. Five assists. You know, and five right. assists. Then it, it's, just, it's not close. It's Essentially, not close. if Giannis could shoot threes at like 37, 38%, he probably would be the GOAT. Like, that's the biggest thing that holds him back, at least. I mean, I'm not saying based on what he's achieved. I'm just saying based on his skill level and what his he could ability, have done. Yeah. yeah, if he could have shot like that. Because you're right, um, his team underachieved in the bubble. Last year, they lost in the first round. Um, that team is starting to age out a little bit, too, I feel like. I think Milwaukee has a lot of decisions to make going forward. And if I were them, I might start sooner rather than later. But um, it seems like... They're going to at least try to run it back this year. Uh, I guess we'll see where they are around the trade deadline. But he, he, his teams win in the regular season all the time. Maybe they need a little more injury luck. But yeah, this position is an easy number one, I think. To piggyback on your point with the whole three-point shooting with Giannis, I almost think you could go the other way with it and just say, mm -hmm. what if he never shot threes? Ever. What if he never settled? That's my I, thing. It's like, I wonder what that would look like, though, because do you think you keep you are harder to guard as an offensive player if you're willing to shoot an open three when they're 20 feet off? Well, because, okay, I will say this. If someone's standing under the basket when they guard you, this is why guys like John Morant are so hard to guard. If you sag off of John Morant, he can just attack you, and he gets a running start with his athleticism to go at you. So do you think it might be better to keep a defense honest and make them at least come out and contest when you're shooting threes? Or just like you brought up, to just never settle, be aggressive, go at the basket every time? I think what Giannis should do is shoot more catch-and-shoot threes. Mm. I don't think he should... Because, you know, it is the NBA. But if you make a couple of catch-and-shoot threes, then the defense has to stay honest. And then when he is dribbling the ball, he never has to pick it up before the free throw line. That's my thing. I think he needs to be more selective on, okay, don't shoot a dribble pull-up three. Give it up to somebody else, then catch it. And then if they're still not guarding, you shoot it. I, I, I like he that. He can shoot it decently. I yeah. just don't think he has the ability to do a Kevin Durant dribble pull-up three. And that's what he's trying to do a little bit too much for my liking as a fan. Just get rid of that. Get rid of the dribble pull-up. I, I like that. It, catch and shoot. I, I agree with that. I feel like whenever I do watch him play... He catches the ball and he waits 
to see what's going to happen. And then he'll dribble a little bit, maybe dribble back behind the three-point line and then shoot it. And the defense doesn't move in that entire time. So kind of like, as you mentioned, to just catch it and shoot it, I also think it puts you in a better rhythm. Um, yeah. It's 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 something you're used to doing, right? Like how many NBA players pregame do we see just shooting catch and shoot threes, right? Like that's something you practice all the time. And then to go in the game and catch it, dribble it around a little bit, and then shoot it, I think it it can throw off your rhythm a lot more. I think Russell Westbrook has the same issue mm-hmm. where he like, okay, he like takes a couple high step dribbles, does a little drop cross, and then he realizes, oh, I'm wide open. And then he hits the <laughs> side shoot of the backboard. It. Yeah. So if he would have just caught it, looked and waited, if Giannis would just catch the ball, realize there's 10 feet of space between you and the defender and just shoot it, I think he would shoot way better, a way better percentage, and then they would be forced to come up and not give him space, and then he'd just dunk on everybody. Yeah, I I agree with that a hundred percent. I think the catch and shoot jumper gives him a better chance, especially to be on balance and to just go up and shoot it. Um, I think I think that would work out a lot better for him. And at this point in his, in his career, I don't know if he can add the three. I mean, we've seen guys do it, like Chris Bosh and Mark Gasol later in their yeah, career. Brooke Lopez. Yeah, Brooke Lopez, another example, great example. But he does catch and shoot. He doesn't go Oh, off no, the, no off the dribble. Doesn't... Well, same thing with what Mark Gasol did and what Chris Bosh did. None of those guys were shooting off the dribble, step backs, none of that. They were all catch and shoot guys, all and they all shoot. added so, it later. So if I'm Giannis, I'd perfect the pick and pop. Because if he could pop out and do a catch and shoot three, then the moment he pops out, they have to guard him, and he just blows right by. Like, just get rid. That's all I'm saying. Get rid of the, the dribble pull-up three. Never shoot that again. And Giannis could probably average 38 a game. Just because he'd be taking less of the less efficient shots, probably get more layups and wide-open catch-and-shoot three attempts. That's his – literally, that is the only nitpick that you can have of Giannis. And it's not that big a deal because he still shoots like 32, 33% from three. He's not a terrible shooter. He's also I wide open all the time when he shoots it. Fair. I just think get rid of the dribble pull-up. And he'd be way more in rhythm. Uh, and free throws. But just I think he thinks too much when he shoots the basketball. You're not supposed to think. You're just, just shoot you're it. Supposed to shoot it. Yeah. Trust all so, your training. Just get rid of get rid of the thought thinking, and Giannis could maybe reclaim his spot as the number one player in the world. Most definitely. Okay. Well, everyone, we want to thank you for listening to our top ten power forwards today. Tune in next time. We're going to be talking about our top ten centers to finish our running top ten segment. Should be a good one with Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Um, Until next time.